Welcome back to Big Les's League and all rugby league experience. I'm your host, Big Les. We'll go through the Friday night games for round seven. The first one was the Sharks v. the Brewsters. Now, a little bit of controversy in this one because there was a very lopsided penalty count. Um, and look, I mean, you know, some of the Roosters' errors uh, were costly in that game. You know, there were some penalties that were, you know, Definitely penalties, but there were some that were a little bit questionable. But look, I mean, the Sharkies, you can't really down their effort. You can't really down, you know, Nico Hines in that second half. It was insane. Um, You know, a beautiful ball to Blake Braley to score that try as well as a really good run to set it up as well. You know, some other little things like his kicking game in the second half, his running game. Um, Yeah, it was insane from the Sharkies in that second half. Nico Hines especially, uh, he was unbelievable. In terms of the Roosters, though, they had a really strong performance. They really did, especially their forward pack. You know, Jared had a big game. I thought Lindsay Collins was fucking outstanding. Every run that he had, he was breaking the line. He was making at least 10 to 15 post-contact meters. I'd love to go back and have a look at his post-contact meters because I think they're pretty much wrong compared to what we saw um, in that game. He was fantastic, um, always breaking the line every time he hit the line as well. Uh, some really, really strong carries from Collins. Radley got binned again, which was pretty big. I mean, he got binned last week, but he got binned again uh, this week that just happened in round seven. I mean... He's very, very lucky that nothing happened. He's very lucky that nothing happened. Uh, it wasn't just him, though. Brandon Smith, obviously, uh, for something a little bit silly, he did get sent to the bin in this game. Nat Butcher, though, is the big one, and he is going to be suspended for one match, which is big. Um, I th- again, we're looking back at these hip drop tackle things, and, yeah, I mean... It's starting to get a bit too much. I mean, we're very serious on these hip drop tackles because obviously they do cause season-ending injuries. We've seen it. You know, some of them that aren't hip drop tackles are still causing season-ending injuries. I mean, you look at Isaac Thompson, who's going to be out for the next few weeks with a knee injury. There's plenty of other examples as well of these hip drop tackles that have caused injuries for players that are going to be out for, you know, a few weeks or long term. You know... They are quite dangerous. They definitely are dangerous. But you look at some of them, um, you know, these days, and, you know, the commentators have been saying it as well, you know, some of them aren't hip drop tackles. But I feel like the referees are sort of getting pressured into doing something because the players are getting injured. You know, every time a player gets injured, they're sort of trying to think of something to sort of send them off. And I think hip drop tackle has sort of been a thing that's been chucked in there because they have, you know, really pushed down on, you know, we need to send players off for hip drop tackles. We need to get hip drop tackles out of the game. And we do. And I think we nearly have. But it's more so, you know, when players do get injured. I mean, it's a contact sport. It's rugby league. Things are going to happen. I actually did a deep dive as well on the podcast as well, looking at these knee and ankle injuries. You know, we're cracking down on these hip drop tackles and we're cracking down on all of these things, yet, you know, we've still got, and this is going to shock some of you guys, there was 39 knee and ankle injuries last year. There's 39 currently, and I just did a counting. I could be wrong, could be more to be honest, but there's 39 currently, which is equal to last year, knee and ankle injuries. That includes hamstring injuries, um, you know, and other, you know, knee and ankle injuries, anything that's under, you know, the hip. I mean, it's just insane. And, and you know, we're, we're doing all of these things. We're putting in all of these measures. 
but we're also speeding up the game. And I feel like, you know, when you speed up the game and you go back and watch things in slow motion, I mean, it's a bit stupid. I mean, you, you're putting all these efforts to speed up the game, you know, to stop um, stoppages in the game. We're still getting stoppages, by the way. Nothing's really changed on that front. But you're speeding up the game to the point where the bodies of the athletes can't handle it. And things happen quite quickly. You know, we we can slow it down all we like on the cameras, but players can't slow it down in their heads, you know. Um, when someone's going to put a shot out, for example, coming out of the line to put a shot on, um, they can't, you know, slow that down in their mind so they get the tackle pitch perfect, you know. You know, when the other night with Nathan Cleary, even as an example uh, for the Penrith Panthers, um, that tackle with, um, I believe it was Lachlan Fitzgibbon. Uh, he didn't get sent off, and it was good by the referee for doing that. But he came out of the line to put pressure on Nathan Cleary there, and Nathan Cleary huddled down and to get down like that. He literally was putting his body down to take the contact, um, and Lachlan Fitzgibbon didn't time it that well. And, and look, it was great from the referee that Lockie Fitzgibbon didn't get sent off. But these are the things that, you know, players have been sent off for in the past. You know, um, players bracing for contact. You know, we talked about um, whiplash as well. Uh, the Wade Graham hit on Davey Moali two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago now. Uh, the whiplash there, Felice Gafusi even. Um, that tackle, that wasn't too bad. He's been suspended for the past few weeks. You know, there's like as other examples where, you know, it, as I said, players can't slow things down in their mind. And we take it back to these hip drop tackles, you know. Um, players can't slow down that scenario. And sometimes there's nothing the player can do to get out of the position that they put their bodies in as well. You know, when they're trying to get the player onto the ground, all they're thinking about is getting the player onto the ground. And that's happening really, really fast and simultaneously. It's not like, you know, it's happening in very slow motion. If everything was happening in slow motion, there wouldn't be hip drop tackles. There wouldn't be late contact. There wouldn't be all of these things because players would be timing it right. But it, nothing's in slow motion. And when you go back and you look at something in slow motion, it doesn't make sense because that's not what's happening in real time. And, and players can't time it uh, in slow motion. Everything's happening in real time. Everything's happening happening you know faster than real time and at a frantic pace. And, it, and players can't really time or you know change the position that their body's in or you know stop themselves from making late contact when something's got momentum, like a player coming out of the line to put a shot on. You know, they can't just automatically stop after the player kicks the ball. They can't time it. They're just going to keep moving forward. You know, you learn that in grade seven or eight science. You know, when something's got momentum and it's moving at a fast pace, unless another force gets put in front of it, it's not really going to stop unless it slows down. But look, anyway, I could go on about that all day, but I think that's the, the way that the rules have changed, you know, to speed up the game the fact that the game is so fast is why we're getting all these things. Yes, you can say we're going to get hip drop tackles out of the game. We're going to get late contact out of the game. We're going to get high contact out of the game. But the only reason they're in the game at the first place is because the game is being played at such a fast pace where the players actually can't keep up with the play and it's causing injuries for those players specifically, but it's also causing injuries for late contact for getting uh, players in dangerous positions. You know, things like that, the hip drop tackles where we're getting confused where every time a player is getting injured now, you know, referees are getting pressured to send people off. 
Look, anyway, look, I could go, I could go through that literally all day. I could go through that with someone literally all day, um, but you know, we, you know, we don't have the time, and you know, I don't want to sort of ramble on here. I want to talk about the game. Um, and look, it was a very tight game in that as well. If we're not talking about the the sin bins there, from obviously Butcher, Smith, and Radley, um, you know, the Smith one was obviously you know a bit stupid on Smith's end coming in there. There was no need to come in there, uh, and he got sin bin there. That was fair enough. The Radley one, look. You know, you could argue both ways there. The butcher one, I mean, again, like, <laughs> we, I could sit there and talk to you about hip drop tackles. I could sit there and talk to you about late contact all day and the, the pace of the game all day. Um, but, yeah, if you look past that, I mean, Lindsay Collins, as we said before, Jared Waria Hargreaves had a solid game. You know, all of these guys having really, really solid games. Uh, Luke Keery, I thought in the first half, obviously after, uh, before, sorry, the uh, Nico Hines blitz that he had, you know, Luke Keery looked unbelievable. He looked really, really impressive. Uh, his kicking game, his running game was unreal. Look, it was pretty hard for the Roosters to get in this one. You know, when your team has a 14-4 to 4 penalty count uh, and a few errors, it's very hard to sort of keep yourself in the game. But, um, yeah, look, I think the Roosters, you know, despite the 14-4 penalty count, when they did look good, they looked really, really good. Um, I think, again, you go back to the previous week, you know, when Suwali was getting caught out of position a few times. It was sort of happening, happening again in this one, you know, set plays weren't connecting. The spine wasn't really connecting too well. There was a few issues with the, some of their set plays that were causing errors that were, you know, handing over the ball to the Sharkies. Uh, the possession was very lopsided as well, particularly in the first half, I believe, it was like 67 to 33 or something like that um, in, in the first half. Uh, it sort of evened out towards the second half. It was more than the 40, sort of 50 sort of um, possession count, but it was very, uh, you know, oriented towards the Sharks in the first half. Sharks had a lot of ball in the first half, uh, you know, due to penalties and errors. Um, you know, I thought that Wade Graham returning from suspension uh, played really, really well. And Oregon Kafusi, I thought that he was outstanding for the Sharks when he came on the field. I uh, had a really, really good stint. Um, James Tedesco, Matt Lodge. I thought James Tedesco played quite well. Matt Lodge through the middle as well. I mean, we talked about the Roosters' middle forwards. When he came on, he made an immediate impact as well. Matt Lodge. There were some really good players from the Roosters. Really good players from the Roosters that were just unlucky with the possession, with the penalty count, uh, and with some of the errors and, and the miscommunication between the spine. I think really let them down in the end. It was Cronulla's first home win of the year, and I think that's a bit of a shock to some of the Sharks fans, particularly with how the Sharks went last year. Really strong year for them, but it was, look, a little bit of a slow start, and their first home win of 2023 after losses previously to the Rabbitohs and the Warriors. I mean, that is a massive stat there for the Sharkies, and as I said, one people didn't really expect. Blake Bradley through the middle, I thought he was enormous for the home side. You know, he had a try, try assist, 93 metres, 45 tackles. I thought he was outstanding. Definitely the hooker of the week for me. Uh, really, really solid performance from him. Yeah, but as I said before, if we're pinpointing where it went wrong for the Roosters, it was set plays, um, connection within the spine, obviously the penalty count and the possession to the Sharkies in the first half sort of let them down there. Nico Hines in the second half, a really solid performance. I think he ran for 100 metres in that second half. He was pretty much everywhere for the Sharks and particularly at, at the back end of the game, particularly with, with that Blake Braley try that he set up there down that blind side, it was unbelievable and he really popped off, you know, in, in the back end of the second half for the Sharkies. He was outstanding. Uh, but yeah, look, I mean, it's something that the Roosters do need to sort of look into, the, the giving away penalties and sets and 
I guess the main thing, the main priority over that is the connection within the spine and within the back line as well. Getting those set plays uh, really locked down is a big thing that the Roosters need to work on. Uh, the next game was Manly v. the Melbourne Storm. Now, I think a lot of people thought that Melbourne were going to win this one. And um, it was actually Cameron Munster, for me, that was a big factor in, in why the Storm lost. Yes, he had a big game. Yes, he ran for over 100 metres, did a lot in this game for the Melbourne Storm when they looked good. Uh, but he was caught out of position at fullback a few times. There was sometimes when they were defending on the twenty meter line um, in you know the opposition's twenty, and he was in the he was in the front line rather than out at fullback, and he was caught out a few times, particularly with the Tom Trevojevic try. Um, you know he was caught out of position there. Um, he was in, defending in the front line. They put a kick over and he wasn't able to get back in time. But he was caught out of position a few times in that game. And, you know, when he's so used to playing in that sort of 5-8 role and he goes out to fullback, he's sort of used to... It's sort of second nature to defend in the front line. And um, obviously, he was caught out of, out of position a few times there, um, Cameron Munster. And it sort of cost them in the end. It really did uh, because, you know... That try sort of put the icing on the cake there, as well as a few penalty goals, three penalty goals from Daly Cherry Evans. I thought he was massive in this game um, for the Manly Seagulls. He was definitely my halfback of the week, to be honest. I thought he had a massive, massive game. You know, ran for 141 metres, uh, 10 post-contact metres, a line break, try assist as well, five tackle busts. You know, you don't really see that um, from Daly Cherry Evans. He made 19 tackles and zero missed, zero ineffective tackles as well from Daly Cherry Evans. He was absolutely massive for them. Now, I would have put Nico Hines in the halfback of the week, but he only really popped off in the second half. You know, I think that Daly Cherry Evans, the thing about his game in this one, that was he was quite consistent, quite consistent throughout the entire game as well. So I had to chuck him in there, um, you know, as halfback of the week because he was outstanding, uh, made all of his goals Three penalty goals as well um, for Daly Cherry Evans and was just pretty much everywhere for this team as well. Uh, Tom, uh, Tom Travojevic as well popped off 200 metres, uh, was pretty much everywhere as well and also 100% tackle efficiency, ran for about 300 metres there, which is insane. You know, Manly looked really, really good and there was a lot of moments where the momentum sort of switched and particularly, um, obviously, that hit on Justin Olam. That was a big moment, a big turning point for Manly, and they really got on the front foot there. And, and the confidence of the Melbourne Storm, you know, it just went, it just depleted very, very quickly. I thought Will Warbrick in a losing side, 160 metres, two line breaks, and I thought that he was quite impressive when he had the ball in his hands. Trent Lorio as well, 45 tackles. Um, he was pretty good in this game for Melbourne as well. There were a few standouts, uh, but Manly were just on top. Jake Travojevic, 36 tackles in this one. Um, yeah, very, very impressive there from the Manly Seagulls. And look, even when there were some players that did get sin bin for Manly, you know, Melbourne, they just weren't able to capitalise on those opportunities. And, you know, when Olam got binned for a late shot, you know, that the momentum got even more so, you know, you know, went in the direction of the Manly Seagulls way. Uh, they had 55% of the ball and completed at 81% the Manly Seagulls. Um, you know, sometimes the attack for Manly did sort of struggle to connect, but even still, they looked quite good. Um, you know, when they were on the front foot, they looked quite good as well. And um, Melbourne were just really, really struggling. 12 errors. 12 errors for Melbourne. That is so uncharacteristic of Melbourne. Um, I believe they were completing at only 50-something percent, you know, to start the second half. They ended up improving a little bit, completing at 71, but even that is low for Melbourne. That is super, super low for Melbourne, 71% uh, compared to, you know, at the end of the game for Manly, it was 83. But, but look, yeah, look, 
very un-Melbourne. Very, very un-Melbourne for me. And I think that's another factor that lost Melbourne the game. And we've seen a few games like this from Melbourne over the past two years. They're sort of starting to decline and look in saying that. I bet you the next game, next week, when they're whoever they're playing next week, they're going to have a big game. Win or lose, I reckon they're going to have a big game um, next week anyway, just to prove us wrong. Um, they've got the Warriors, so that's going to be a massive game for them. We know what happened uh, in previous times when Melbourne have versed the Warriors as well. So uh, I think they'll be looking for a big game, and I don't think uh, Cameron Munster will be playing fullback in that game. I think he'll be back in the number six jersey. I'm pretty sure Nick Meaney's back anyway, but I don't think that Cameron Munster's going to be playing fullback next week. Um, he was caught out of position a few times, and it did cost Melbourne in some key moments. So I don't think he's going to be there um, going into this coming week. But look, Manly, to sum it all up, Daly Cherry Evans, absolute blinder for Manly. Uh, Tom Travoy, which had a big game as well, and that really got Manly up in this game. And uh, Daly Cherry Evans, his kicking game, passing game, running game, all magnificent. Uh, the guys who owned him in fantasy, the lucky bastards who owned him in fantasy, got 92 points. So that is an absolute um, blinder from him there. Not just in fantasy, but during the game as well. He was fantastic and manly getting the win over the Melbourne Storm. A big win uh, and a big confidence boost going into next weekend. Well,